It is a joy to be here with you again, another Sabbath. We are looking at this concept of a new normal. We started by saying that you have to learn to keep moving. God has a specific destination for you. And it's not the one that you choose, but it's the one that God has chosen. So you must continue to, to, to be moving. Because when you're moving with God, it means that you're okay with God's way. No matter if that way is not the way you envision that it will be. Now, in the way, you must make sure that you don't listen to false prophets that do not profit. There are these messages that will come to you. And they're going to tell you turn right or turn left. You must make sure that when it is, it is a message coming to you, you have heard that this is what God is trying to tell me and you understand that way. But it is important that as you are listening to God's message, you need to look into the tomb again. And that's what we understood last week, that you must learn to weep at the tomb. That is, you must learn to look into the tomb and it reminds you that though abandoned by Jesus, yet you are not abandoned by Jesus Christ. Today I want to continue the series and I want to encourage you to turn with me to the gospel according to John. We're going to look at chapter number 20 beginning in verse number 19. John chapter 20 beginning in verse number 19. I'm going to read all the way to verse number 29. If you're doing mathematics, would say sepulu ayat or 10 verses. If you have it, I'll be reading from um, the English Standard Version this morning. And it reads like this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And he said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he adds this comment. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told Thomas, told him, we have seen the Lord Thomas, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and put my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, 
the disciples were inside again, and Thomas this time was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them again, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and put it in my side. Do not be disbelieving, but believe. And Thomas said, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who will believe, yet who, who have not seen, yet have believed. I want to bring to you this morning the concept. I want to bring to you this morning the concept, the doors were locked. The doors were locked. Let us pray. Dear God, I want to ask you to be with me at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I went out to get a haircut yesterday. I traveled 1.7 kilometers. I parted with 20,000 rupiah. I invested 15 minute, minutes of my time. When I got to the barbershop, I was greeted with a chain and a lock. The doors were locked. See, doors are obstacles. Doors are things that get in the way that keep us from accessing certain things that we would like to access. To access. You see, doors keep you sometimes from entertainment. Uh, sometimes they keep you from treatment. Sometimes they keep you from attainment. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes you want to go uh, to that concert. But when you get to the concert, the doors are locked. Sometimes you want to get into that movie. But when you get to the movie, the doors are locked. Sometimes you want to go, you go to church. But when you get to church... It's not that the doors are locked, but because there are no seats for you to, see, to sit in, the doors are locked. You see, doors are obstacles that keep us from getting into a particular room. They keep us from getting into a particular situation. They keep us from getting into a particular place. And you see, doors are good, though, because we use doors as, as obstacles to keep people from them. You understand what I'm saying? The doors allow us to keep thieves out of our homes. Doors allow us to keep these predatory beggars from entering our space. Doors allow us to obstruct uh, these, I, I call them, uh, un unwanted disturbances. And something that has been amazing in this new normal since we began a month ago is that doors have been locked. Doors have been locked to restaurants. Yes, that favorite restaurant on your favorite street, on your favorite part of town has been locked. Uh, that movie house that you like to go to has been locked. Uh, that place that you want to go to, that that that. Uh, theme park, uh, that uh, uh, 
airport that plane you want to go into has been locked in fact we have had to lock the doors of the church even governments have given us this uh, idea of the uh, pest baby and, and, and work from home uh, to encourage us to lock our doors. Our doors have been locked. We have created obstacles for ourselves because we want to stay safe. Am I talking to somebody this morning? You see, we have a situation represented to us in this particular text. The disciples have decided to lock themselves up. They have decided to lock themselves up because they are afraid of the Jews. They don't understand what is going to happen to them. They don't know what's going to happen and so they decide to lock the doors and to go inside. I imagine this to be a 34 AD version of a quarantine. It was a it was a work from home kind of situation. It wasn't that the government ordered it. It wasn't that the Jewish leaders ordered it. It wasn't that Jesus ordered it. But they ordered it for themselves because they wanted to be safe. Am I talking to somebody? Sometimes you lock yourself up because you realize that it is better to be locked up than to be than to be hurt and, and to be harmed and to be destroyed. And so you go to the place that you know is comfortable. You go to a place that you are used to. And the disciples, they went and locked themselves up in the upper room. Jesus doesn't knock on the door. Jesus doesn't holler and send a text message that the delivery has arrived. Jesus doesn't say, come downstairs and open for me. Jesus enters in. The text says on the evening of that day, that first Sunday that he resurrected, in the evening, the doors being locked, the disciples inside, Jesus came in and he stood. Among them, was Jesus like a little gecko and he went under the door? Was Jesus like a little fly that found a light in the room and he found a crack on the window and he entered? Or was Jesus like a, like a, a ninja who found a way in the, in the room? The text does not tell us how Jesus entered, but the text tells us that Jesus entered because it wants us to understand that there is no door that Jesus cannot enter. I want you to understand that Jesus can go through every locked door. There is no place or space or situation or position or disposition that Jesus cannot enter in. There is no obstacle that Jesus cannot go over. And I want you to understand that it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you hide. It doesn't matter if you throw the key in the deep blue sea. It doesn't matter if you give the key to your friend. Jesus does not need a key. Jesus does not need an access card. Jesus can enter without any of those things because he wants you and me to understand there is no obstacle that's going to get in his way. And I love the fact that Jesus did not allow the door to keep him away from his disciples. And I want you to understand, it doesn't matter what is holding you back. It doesn't matter what has 
gotten you locked up. It doesn't matter where you are hiding. But I want you to understand that Jesus Christ can still reach you. I'm going to say amen for you right there. And I want you to help you. I want to help you because in this COVID-19, we have been locked up in our homes, right? I work from home and pays bebe. And we have been told that, look, uh, don't go outside, stay inside. But I'm glad that Jesus Christ can still go inside. Amen. And I want to believe. I want to believe, excuse me, I want to believe that as we have been uh, uh, at home and, and waking up and the only thing that we face is our, our computers or the only thing that we face is our kitchens and our bathrooms, I want to believe that when we have taken up and opened up the word of God and read the word of God, I want to believe that when we have been praying with our families and when we're doing our Zoom calls and, and just doing whatever we can to survive, I want to believe that Jesus Christ has been coming in. I want to believe that Jesus Christ has been right there with us. And he's telling me, he's telling you, and he's telling me, it doesn't matter if you're locked up. I can still come in and chill with you and spend time with you and be there with you. Because for me, there is no door that can keep me out. You see, I want you to understand that Jesus is like light. And if there's something that you know about light, is that even though you try to put down the windows and you put down the curtains in your house, Jesus Christ is still going to get in. You might tell me, Pastor, listen, sometimes, you, you, Jesus, sometimes we create dark rooms where we, 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 we don't want light. You know, we want to develop uh, photographs. So we just want it really, really dark. But I want you to understand that even when it's dark, you need a little bit of light to be able to see. Because Jesus Christ is that particular individual that uh, is needed. That's why the Bible calls him the light. And I want you to understand that he is that. He is the light. Wherever you are, it may be dark. It may not be something that you like. It may be, not, it may be something that you don't understand. But he is the light and he's going to be there. And this is what experts say. It is important that in your house, you ensure that you have enough light that comes in. What that means is that when you have decorated your house and arranged your house, it is important that there's enough light coming in. Because when there's a lot of light coming in, I'm about to help somebody. When there's a lot of light coming in, you know what it does? A lot of light, uh, it boosts your mood. It strengthens you. You feel better. And this is why, why I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the light that can come in through any door. Because when Jesus Christ comes into your house, when Jesus Christ enters your situation when Jesus Christ comes into your space then he because he is the light he brings and he, he strengthens you and he lifts up your mood you don't feel sad but you feel glad you don't feel mad you feel glad you don't feel like uh, you're depressed in fact you feel like you are you are liberated because that is what God does when you invite him into your life he's going to change the situation I wish I had a witness in this place you see, I love the fact that Jesus Christ can go through any door. And I want you to understand something. According to the writer of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 3, verse number 8, the writer makes a fundamental point about Jesus' ability uh, to deal with doors. Jesus' ability not to be obstructed by any situation. This is what the writer of Revelation says. This is what he says. Listen up. See, I have set before you an open door that no one can shut. You see, Jesus says, I have set an open door that no one can shut. I want you to understand that the reason why Jesus Christ can come in, 
without needing a key. I want you to understand the reason why Jesus can come in without having to knock is because he controls doors. He has the ability to open a door and opening it, open it in such a way that no one else can close that door. Hallelujah, somebody. I want you to understand that when God has created an opportunity for you, when God has created a job opportunity for you, when God wants you to go to that school, when God wants you to get that job, when God wants you to get that position, when God wants you to serve in a particular place, when God wants you to get that particular person to be your person, I want you to understand that that door cannot be shut. And I love that. Now you see, many of times we pray and we ask God, God, please create an open door for me. You know what we're saying? We're saying, Lord, create an opportunity for me that I feel or believe that it is going to suit my circumstances. Oh, I'm coming for you. We, we want God to create an opportunity. Lord, if only I can get into this job. Lord, if only I can get this position. Oh, I'm going to be great. Oh, I'm going to take care of my family. We want God to open a door for us to suit our circumstances. But the thing that we forget is that Jesus Christ is the door. Oh, I want to help you. You see, because Jesus Christ is the door, when you have the door, it doesn't matter the circumstance you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. But because he is the door, then the changes might happen in your life. But because he is the door, the circumstances don't affect your access. I think you're not understanding me, so let me make it plain. You see, an access card is a beautiful thing. An access card allows you to get into a building at any time of the day. It can be night time or it can be daytime. It can be rainy or it can be sunny. You can be sick or you can be happy. But, happy. but as long as you have an access card, what that means is you're going to be able to enter the building. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, Jesus Christ is our access card. If you have him in your life, what it means is when there is a dark moment, when there is a sad moment, when things around you change, it doesn't affect you because he has always been there. He is always the door. And so brother and sister, learn today and understand with me that Jesus Christ is indeed the door. He controls access points. He controls checkpoints. He controls places where IDs are checked because he is that person. And this morning, the doors may be locked in your office. This morning, the doors may be locked at church. This morning, the door of reconciliation may be locked. This morning, the door of promotion may be locked. This morning, you may be uh, uh, locked up in uh, a disease. You might be locked up in a bad situation, but because Jesus Christ is the door and he is your door, ah, let me help you, you are going to get in anyway. I don't know how you're going to get in, but because he is the door, he's going to work things out and you're going to see something beautiful and amazing. Hallelujah, somebody. You see, the disciples were on solid ground to... Lock the doors. The text tells us they locked the doors because they were afraid of the Jews. 
The Jews were Pharisees and they were the Sadducees and they were the lawyers and the scribes, uh, the AKA the elites of the nation. Listen to what I'm saying. You see, they didn't like Jesus because he was an, an epidemic to their popularity. They didn't like that many people followed him. And so they considered Jesus a national threat to be expunged and to be extinguished. So what they did is they worked the political system and they found a way to destroy the life of Jesus. As we know, they took him to a hill somewhere and the Roman soldiers stripped him of his clothes. After stripping him of his clothes, they placed him on a stick and they put nails into his forearms and they put nails into his feet and they hung him up on the cross and they took him on the cross and they put him in the tomb and Jesus' life was taken away from him. So the disciples are thinking to themselves and I think it makes sense. If Jesus, our master, got killed, who are we not to get killed? After all, a servant is not greater than the master. So here, the disciples were concerned about their safety and it made sense. You see, there are times when I am hypnotized by sleep. You understand what I'm saying? Like you're just so tired and you're, you, you know, the only thing that you're hunting for is your bed. There are times that I, I look for, for the bed like that. And sometimes when I wake up from my hypnosis in the morning and I try to exit the door, I don't turn my key to unlock the door. In fact, I just turn the doorknob and the door unlocks itself. Uh, it opens up. And I realize and the thought comes in my head, oh, I didn't lock the door when I went to sleep. And I've done that many times. Now, if I knew that somebody was after my life, if I knew that somebody wanted to kill me, trust me, I would not leave my door unlatched because we understand that doors are for safety. We understand that doors are a necessity to keep us safe. And that is what the disciples here are doing. They want to keep them safe and it makes a lot of sense because they don't want to be killed like Jesus Christ. And I think that right here we can take a cue from the disciples. Oh, let me help you. You see, there are situations in your life that you need to keep out and you need to lock out. There are people that will come into your life and they will either influence your thinking in a negative way. There are situations or things, it could be uh, maybe movies or it could be things that you listen that you need to lock out because if you let them in, they are going to take away your safety. They're going to take away your life. And so here the disciples are careful to say, you know what? We love Jesus and everything. He is coming back and everything, but we are not going to be stupid. <laughs> We're not going to be silly. We're going to take care of our safety having faith doesn't mean you don't think right common sense is required sometimes i want to encourage you my brother and my sister that you need to put a signpost on your on the door of your heart on the door of your life and you need to be able to say keep out violators will be prosecuted by the law of god sometimes the sign needs to read Open from 8 to 3 p.m. only. Are you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we need to put the sign up and say, closed under renovation. Because brother and sister, not everybody needs to come in. And one of the things that I have appreciated in COVID-19, and which I think we can utilize at this moment, is that when we have been receiving packages, either we have ordered them on Tokopedia, or we have ordered them on Grab or Gojek. You know what we do these days? We look at the package carefully, we analyze it carefully, then we take disinfectant, we wipe it, 
We wipe the package, the outside of it. Then we pull out the packaging from the outer packaging. We wipe it again. You understand what I'm saying? We wipe it again. And then after we wipe it again, we go wash our hands. After washing our hands, then we actually open the package. Either it's noodles or food. Then we go ahead and eat that. I am suggesting to you that you need to treat some people like that. When they're coming into your life, you need to say, hold up. Who are you? Where do you come from? What is your ID? What is your age? What is your background? You need to analyze because if you don't take time to analyze, if you don't take time to check it out, you are possibly endangering yourself because your safety is everything. Your safety is everything. Not only should we lock our doors for safety, but I'm suggesting that we need to lock our doors for piety. Now you see, Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 6. And this is what he said to those people that were listening to his sermon on the mount. Listen to these powerful words. This is what Jesus said. Now when you pray, enter your room and close your door. So that your father who is in secret can hear you and reward you in secret. You see, the disciples understood that at this moment in this new normal, it is not time to be running around Jerusalem and say, you know what? Our Savior has died. They understood that in this particular moment, we need to be huddled together. We need to be praying. We need to be at the established spot that God or Jesus gave to us. And I love the fact that the disciples were in the upper room because that was the established spot before Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ could see that when I die, these people need a spot to go to. Oh, I want to help somebody. You see, Jesus Christ understood that my disciples are going to be so distraught. They're going to be so discouraged to the point that they might lose faith. But if I can have an upper room for them, if I can have a spot for them, then they are going to be able to stick a little closer to me, even though I'm not around them. Let me bring it closer because I'm coming to you. I'm coming for you right now. You see, I believe and I want to imagine that the disciples in the upper room, they remembered the words of Jesus to them. They remembered how he told them, I will die, but make sure that you love one another. I want to remember that, I want to imagine that they jogged down memory lane and, and they remembered going up to the Mount of Olives and, and Jesus Christ telling them, let not your heart be troubled. And because they remembered those things, I believed that these memories kept them grounded. This upper room was prepared before the new normal came. Ooh. Ah. So when the new normal came, they had a place to go to and to be locked in. <laughs> because it was already there, they didn't need to think about creating a new place. It was already there. They didn't need to think about where are we going to worship God? Where are we going to spend time with God? No. They just went to that place and actually worship God. They went to that place and just, and just spent time with God. I'm suggesting to you that you need to learn to establish your spot. Just like Jesus established your Mount of Olives. Just like uh, Abraham 
establish your altar just like the greats who have gone before us there was a place that they could go to and there they didn't have to worry about uh, what the place looked like they didn't have to worry about how to be comfortable they didn't have to worry about the lighting they knew the spot and so by going to an established spot they were there and they could actually focus on their relationship with God let me make it plain for you so you understand. One of the things that has, has helped me lately is to run in an established route. What that means is instead of when I'm running, figuring out where I'm going to run, I tell myself, okay, I'm going to make three loops around this particular area. So that when I'm actually running, I'm no longer thinking about the, the route. My focus is on my pace and my breathing and the actual running and because i've changed my thinking now focusing on the route because i've already decided before time when i am actually running i'm more efficient and more productive my brother and my sister in this moment learn to establish your route learn to establish your space learn to establish your place I don't know where it is but it has to be where you are comfortable so that when you are in that place you don't focus on oh my goodness what am I gonna do you already know what you're gonna do and that is you want to spend time with the Lord too many of us when it comes to spending time with the Lord increasing our piety we waste time what Bible verse should I read uh, what, uh, how should I pray today? Uh, where should I go? Should I pray in my room? Should I pray outside my house? Uh, wait, no, forget that, my brother and my sister. Learn to think about it before time. So that the time that you, you have, you can actually spend it on with God. Spend it connecting with him. And so I want to tell you, the disciples teach me that when the doors are locked, is because they knew that that was the place to be locked in. Yes, indeed, the doors were locked. Now, you see, I love the fact that the doors were locked and that Jesus came. He came to a place and to a people that were afraid of the situation and the moment. But he came anyway. They were afraid. They were fearful. You see, it doesn't matter the state you're in. And I know that some of you are struggling right now and... You're trying to figure out what you're going to do in a month or two. How, how is the job going to look like? How is uh, the business going to look like? How is the country going to look like? How, how is life going to look like in a few months? For us as a church leaders, we're figuring out how is the church going to look like? When we open the first time at, at Pacific Place and we have worship, how is that going to look like? You, you see, those are the things that we're thinking about. But you see, I'm glad that Jesus Christ comes in that situation. You know how it is sometimes when somebody's going through a struggle, we actually avoid them because we don't want to hear their mess because their mess is just so messy. But I'm glad that Jesus Christ, hallelujah, likes to hear our mess. And he comes especially when it is especially messy. messy. And here is what I want you to see. That when Jesus comes in, he unlocks blessings. Oh, I want to help you for a moment. You see, the first 
blessing that Jesus unlocked was peace. Notice Jesus says to them, peace be with you. The disciples were afraid. They were worried. And to be honest with you, Jesus Christ has every right to tell the disciples, how come you guys ran away from me when I was arrested? How come you've been arguing about this and that? He had every right. But Jesus Christ understood that in a moment of struggle and challenge, people don't need to be slapped and smacked with accusations. People need to be strengthened and lifted up with 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 peace they need to be uh, to, to understand that things are going to be okay and Jesus wants them to understand that look you failed me but that's okay I died for you I died for your failure I died for your struggle in actuality you and me are at peace right now so my brother and my sister understand me that Jesus Christ has peace for you I don't know some of us feel when we have made a mistake, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so sinful, God doesn't love me anymore. We feel like we, we, have, uh, we have dishonored God. But I want you to understand, when God comes to you, he doesn't tell you your mistakes. He tells you, you and me, we are at peace. He says, man, peace, you and I, we, 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 we are good. And he wants you and me to understand that in this moment of COVID-19, in this new normal, in this situation that doesn't make sense, the thing that Jesus Christ has for you and me is peace. Now you might say, you might tell me, Lord, pastor, I don't need peace. <laughs> I need a job. Lord, pastor, I don't need peace. I need my business to be good. Lord, I don't need peace. I need my church to be filled. Lord, I don't need, Pastor, I don't need peace. I need health. But my brother and sister, hear me carefully. You need peace. Because your job can, can be lost. Your health can be lost. But when you have peace, then even though you have lost what you have lost, you are not in pieces. Hallelujah, somebody. The second thing Jesus unlocked is joy. The Bible says that Jesus Christ showed them his hands and his side. He tells them, look, it is me, Jesus. I have the badge of uh, credentials. I have the badge of humanity. I have suffered for humanity. I have experienced the pain of what it means to live on earth. I know the struggle. I know the challenge. And I want you to understand I know exactly where you are. And so hear me carefully, my brother and my sister. We think that when we are struggling, God doesn't understand. I'm here to tell you no. Jesus Christ does understand. Jesus Christ is in heaven right now. And he still bears the marks of humanity. Yes, he wants you and me to understand that he lived on this earth. And because of living on this earth, he was marked by living on this earth. Your situation, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. But when you look at the hands, when you look at the badge of certification that I'm a human being looking at Jesus Christ, it makes you smile because it helps you to understand that he struggled just like I struggled. I'm encouraged because parents often will tell their kids, 
When I was in school, I struggled with this and this and this and this. When I went through this, I struggled with this and this and this. Do you know why parents do that? Because they want to encourage their kids to let them know that I went through it. And because I went through it and I overcame it and I, I succeeded in it, you also can overcome and succeed in it. And so Jesus Christ showing them his hands and his side. He was simply saying, you can make it. And brother and sister know it. You can make it. Brother and sister understand that COVID-19 is not the end. In fact, it's only the beginning into greater and bigger things that God can do in your life and rather than pining and complaining and whining it is time to be glad hallelujah somebody see Jesus also unlocked purpose you see he told the disciples as the father sent me even so I am sending you he's telling them look you cannot be locked inside because being locked inside, you cannot fulfill your purpose. You see, Jesus is saying, just because it's a new normal, it doesn't mean that you take your foot off the gas. What it means is, because it's a new normal, you need to figure out how you're going to drive in this new normal. And that's why Jesus is telling them, hold up, disciples, you are hiding inside. Yes, you are. But I still have a purpose for your life. And brother, my sister, I want you to understand, it doesn't matter that we have a new normal. It doesn't matter that we are struggling and going through a situation that doesn't make sense. The purpose never changes. So it is time now to figure out, Lord, what is my purpose? How am I going to navigate myself in this situation? And how am I going to still be able to achieve it? Right? Because if you have noticed something about the greatest companies among us, what they do is this. They never change their mission. Apple is always Apple. They make everything slick and elegant and nice and they stick to that. But all they find out is, in 2020, how can we still make sales? How can we still pitch our product? How can we still uh, fulfill our purpose? And I want you to understand that right here in 2020, you need to figure out, Lord, you have called me to save people. You have called me to tell them about Jesus Christ. Yes, we are locked up. We can't be close to each other. We have to be socially distant. But Lord, how is it? How will it be? How will I be able to accomplish my mission? Yes, Jesus Christ still has a purpose for your life. And the fourth thing I want to tell you that Jesus unlocked is that he unlocked to them a new life. You see, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he breathed on them. He breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. When I read these words, it reminded me of Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. There, the Bible says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Oh, I'm about to help you, to help you right now. You see, here Jesus Christ is telling the disciples, you have been locked up. You have been cooped up. It's as if your life has ended. But I want to breathe new life into you. <laughs> I want you to be alive again. You are not dead. My brother and my sister, I want you to understand that, you know what? We need to be revitalized again. One of the things that I love to do is when I'm tired, if I'm feeling exhausted, you know what I do? I don't fight the tiredness. I don't work and say, you know what? I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to finish this work. I'm going to be a champion. I don't do that. I listen to my body and I go on my bed and lie down. Down, whether it's 10 minutes, 
20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever I need. I go there, get my power nap, and then when I get up, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight. And I look at the challenge that I have, and I say, you know what? I'm going to get you. You're not going to get me. I'm going to finish you because I've been revitalized. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, when he has been breathed upon us, we are revitalized. I know you want to be revived. And I, some people have been telling me all along this week, I want the Holy Spirit. I want him to be upon me. I want you to understand God wants to give you the Holy Spirit. All you have to say, Lord, give me this Holy Spirit. He helped me to have him. And when you have him, you're going to see a total different change in your life. And so my brother, my sister, when the doors are locked and you, uh, Jesus comes in, he comes to unlock blessings upon your life. He comes in your life to change things, even though the doors are locked. And I want you to understand that in this season of COVID-19, even though the doors have been locked, Jesus Christ has been deploying blessings upon us. He's been reminding us and being with us and guiding us and helping us. Now you see, after Jesus showed himself to the disciples in the door, in the room that was locked and he unleashed the blessings on them, he left. But a brother by the name of Thomas was not with them. In fact, the text says, now Thomas... One of the twelve, called the twin, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. He wasn't there. And here, Paul, or John, makes uh, something interesting that I want you to, to notice. He called him Thomas the twin. Thomas is, means twin in Aramaic. And in Greek, his name means Didymus. So basically, he called him the twin, the twin. That's like saying in, in, in Spanish, Enrique for my name and saying in English Henry like Henry Enrique Henry it, it's, you're, you're basically saying the same thing now in our day and age we print documents and after printing documents we uh, uh, we see there's a mistake and you know what we do we take the document and we throw it in the trash and we reprint again because today we have a lot of paper to waste somehow but in the time of John when he's writing this story he didn't have paper to waste they used to write on papyrus and papyrus was these woods uh, these reeds that they would take from uh, the river and they would spread it out and then they'll write on this and so it was very expensive so for John to spend expensive real estate to repeat the name of this man twice he really wants us to pay attention to this man but I'm gonna come back to that man in a second but I really wanted to ask myself why was Thomas not there? Like, 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 where did he go? I mean, what was he doing? Why wasn't, why wasn't he with the other disciples? This is a question I asked myself. And so I started to think to myself that Thomas decided to do a little social distancing. The situation of his master being killed really hit him hard. You know how it is that, you know, we all handle grief a little bit differently. Like here in Indonesia, when somebody has died, I notice that at the funeral, people are there, seated, seated and, you know, people are talking, and, you know, it's a little, it's, it's, it's not a, a, like a joyful event, but, you know, people are also, uh, they're, they're talking, just having normal conversation, and things are going on, people are eating, and, and that kind of thing. In my part of the world, when we have a funeral, man, it's a somber mood and people are crying and they're, and, and they're sad. In fact, if you are not crying or you're, you're not sad, it almost seems like you wanted a person to die. 
So we all handle grief a little bit differently. And, and here Thomas realized that, you know what, I can be with my homies right now. You know what, they, they let them be themselves. I need time to myself and I need just to, uh, to go and... You know, just deal with this situation. And I want to imagine that Thomas, he, he left the disciples and they are at Jerusalem there. And he, he made his way to the Mount of Olives, the favorite spot of Jesus. And he, he was there and he was just thinking throughout the whole situation. He spent a whole day there. And later on, he decided to go back to the disciples. And when he gets to the disciples, he, he, he enters the upper room and he finds the disciples that they're not sad. They're not shaking their heads. They're actually like talking properly and, and it seems like they've been revitalized and rejuvenated and, and he comes in and they, they tell him, yo, 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 Thomas, get, get, guess what happened? Jesus Christ came, we saw him, like we saw his hands and uh, you know what I mean? I, I want to imagine like Peter was like, yo, man, I, I saw his hands, like I saw the nails and all these things and they're telling him like he came and he taught us all these things and Thomas is like, Look, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and actually put my, my finger into the mark of those nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. And Thomas says, I won't believe. And here I see Thomas, he locked the door of belief. He said, I will not believe it because I wasn't there to see it. I'm coming. Some of us. We cannot understand or accept the testimony of somebody else unless it is our experience. And this is what Thomas is saying. Because I wasn't there, then it really didn't happen. And therefore, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to trust in it because I didn't experience it. Some people, you can tell them again and again and again and again. But they're not going to listen to you because they never went to the restaurant and ate the food. They never saw the movie. They never actually went to the theme park. So it doesn't matter if you tell them it's good. But as long as they don't experience it, they're not going to believe it. I call these people locking the doors of belief. And Thomas locks the doors of belief. And now I'm here to suggest to you that Jesus Christ cannot enter the door of unbelief. Uh, wait a minute, Pastor. Jesus Christ entered the door of belief. I mean, he entered the door of the disciples. He, he knocked. He just went in. Yes, he did. But the door of belief is in relation to our hearts and our minds. You see, Jesus Christ can come into your space. Jesus Christ can come into your church. He can come into your situation. But it's up to you to decide whether he's going to come in or not. It's up to you to decide whether you're going to make things all right or not. And here, my brother and my sister, I want you to understand that it is important that we learn to take the, what I call, the testimony of others. Because when you take the testimony of others, then we are benefited. Let me make it plain. When I first came to Indonesia... Friends used to tell me about the Gojek app. And they explained to me about the versatility of the Gojek app. They told me that, you know what? The Gojek app has many options. It has Go Clean. It has Go Med. It has Go Shop. You can do all kinds of things, you know. But I honestly didn't believe that I could press a button and somebody would come and clean my house. I honestly didn't believe it. I was only using the Gojek app 
to get a ride. You understand what I'm saying? Because, uh, you know, those rides can be a little cheap sometimes. So they get you places real fast. It's traffic, mindset, and you just need to get to a place. You, you get a go ride and you, you, you go. So one day I'm entering my apartment building and I see a lady dressed in gold jack apparel. And it said gold clean. And then she had equipment, cleaning equipment. She had brushes and brooms and some stuff. And I'm like, wow, there's actually gold clean. It actually exists. And I saw a couple times that gold clean officials would actually enter and exit buildings. You know, and so it clicked in my mind because I saw with my eyes that it is actually true that you have these gold clean ladies I actually realized that it was true, but I didn't believe the testimony of my friends. I want to help somebody. Because I didn't help believe the testimony of my friends, I was not benefited by the versatility and the options of the Gojek app. Allow me to make it plain for you, brother and sister. When you don't believe the testimony of our friends who tell us about Jesus Christ, who tell us who he is, you are keeping Jesus away and Jesus cannot benefit you with the blessings that he has for you. I want you to understand, my friend, that we need to learn to believe the testimony of our friend Moses who tells us that God created the world in seven days. And because he created the world in seven days, he can recreate your life. He can do amazing things in your life. I want us to believe our friend Isaiah. Isaiah who told us that God can do new things. Hallelujah. He can change an old situation and bring about something new. I want us to believe our friend Matthew who tells us that Jesus Christ was born of a woman. He lived a life without sin. But oh, some of us, we are too smart. We are too cute. And we tell ourselves, I want to see manna come down from heaven. I want to see people walk on the Red Sea. Anyway, look at this man, Solomon. He had so many wives and he, he did this and that. He is not a, an example we should follow. But I'm here to tell you, they are in the Bible and if you were to write a Bible book, what would your story be? And so my brother, my sister, the testimony, the words that they tell us about Jesus, those are the things we need to believe. And when we believe them, we unlock the door of unbelief and we allow Jesus to come in. And when Jesus has come in, he changes the situation. What I'm amazed by is that Jesus Christ Though he can't go in the doors of unbelief, but yet he always comes with the key of faith. <laughs> he always comes with the key of faith. And this is what he tells Thomas. He says, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put your finger to see. Uh, can you imagine what Jesus is saying? Do you need to touch to see? No, you don't. But the thing is, Jesus is trying to help Peter, uh, uh, Thomas to understand is that you really don't see. Your eyes are closed. And so he says, if you really want to see, put your finger here. Put your finger here. And what I love about this is that Jesus Christ came for Thomas, only for Thomas, to talk to him and to deal with him. And the reason why Thomas is called the twin 
It's because of Jesus Christ, his twin, came for him. I want you to understand, brother and sister, that Jesus Christ is our twin. Jesus Christ is the person who comes into our life. He comes for our needs. He comes to talk to us about our situation, just like he came for Thomas. And he tells Thomas, Thomas, look, take a look. The text doesn't tell us if Thomas actually put his finger into the mark of the nails. But the text says Thomas was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed by the moment. He was taken by the situation. His darkness of unbelief. His door of unbelief was unlocked. And when he unlocked it, he declared the most wonderful words that anybody has ever declared about Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. He says, my Lord and my God. I don't know if he touched him or not, but the declaration came, my Lord and my God. And I love this because uh, Thomas repeated the words of Jesus to uh, Mary. Because Mary, Jesus told Mary, I'm ascending up to, to my father and your father, my God and your God. And here, uh, Thomas is saying, you are my God. You are my Lord. You are not just an acquaintance of mine. We have a relationship. It's not just touch and go. But I know you deeply. And my brother and my sister, this is what I want you to get from this moment we call COVID-19. This new normal. You should be able to say, my God, my Lord. I know him personally. Me and him, we have a one-on-one -on -one relationship. We are good. We are friends. And so here, Thomas truly became the twin of Jesus. Because like Jesus, he expressed faith in God. Hallelujah, somebody. When we express faith in God, we are the twin of Jesus. After all, Jesus is our older brother. After all, Jesus is the one who is standing by our side. You don't need to talk like Jesus. You don't need to walk like Jesus. You don't need to sound like Jesus. You need to believe like Jesus. You need to trust like Jesus. You need to be able to say, he is my God. That is when you have unlocked the door of unbelief. And Jesus Christ has a key of faith. He's knocking at your door. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, I will come in. He has the key. And if you can say today, Lord, I want you to give me the key. He will open it. Because unfortunately, I want to, I want to tell you, I am like, I am the twin of Thomas most of the times. Not the twin of Jesus. I'm the twin of Thomas because I doubt God sometimes. Sometimes when I pray, I feel like my prayers don't hit, don't go past the ceiling. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes I feel like, Lord, I'm struggling. What's going to happen? Sometimes I feel like, man, this is not going to work out and, and this and that. I have those thoughts. And, and a lot of times I'm a twin of, of Thomas. And I want to believe that we have many Thomases here in the church. Uh, and you see, one of the things that I learned about Thomas is that Thomas was stuck on himself. Thomas was a kind of person who needed to see it. For himself. He was a kind of person who I consider he was stuck on this uh, me-ism. It's like a, uh, like, a, like a junkie who is possessed by drugs. Uh, Thomas was possessed by the need to experience it for himself. And some of us are like that. We have our own ideas. We have our own perceptions. And, and, and we tell people, look, I'm going to believe it this way. Unless it changes any, any other way, it's not go I'm not going to change the way I live. This is who I am. I, I'm made this way. And a lot of times I find myself at that place, stubborn, 
like a donkey, a twin of Thomas, not a twin of Jesus. And this is why Jesus tells Thomas, he says to him in verse number 29, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. Jesus is saying, it's okay to have a sign and to see. It's okay to have evidence if it is necessary. But it's not needed. What's needed is you to believe the testimony. Because after all, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. The disciples, many of them, we, we have seen him, we have seen him. Thomas had no excuse to, to not believe. And you and I have no excuse not to believe. Because you see, I want you to understand, it is more important to believe the testimony of the word of God than to see Jesus Christ today. Yes, I know we want to see Jesus, and that's well and good. But he has left everything for us in the word of God. And that is why we don't need everything else. Everything else that we need is in the word of God. And if we can only believe enough, then we can unlock uh, the doors that have been locked. You see, the words of verse number 19 bring my sermon to a nice close. They lock my sermon nicely. The text says the doors being locked where the disciples were. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I need you to understand that Jesus Christ can come through any door except the doors we lock. He can enter any place except the doors we lock. This morning, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is knocking at your door. He wants to enter that space, that place. He wants to enter that closet, that place that you say is just for you and you. He wants to go into your journal. He wants to go into the inner part of your place and right there unlock that place and, and be in that space and bless you and give you what you need. My brother, my sister today, Jesus wants to unlock the doors of your life. He wants to bring a change in your life. And in this new normal, this is what we need to do. What is that place that you need to give over to Jesus Christ? Today is the day you can say, you know what, Lord, come into my place and change it and move it and help me to experience you and your power. This is my prayer. This is my hope. And I pray that it can be our experience. In Jesus' name, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. I humbly pray and ask all of these things in the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Amen.